Welcome back, Mighty Vandals, to Tubs at the Club, brought to you by Snake River Stampede Whiskey, but we'll tell you more about that a little later on in the show. We are the Idaho Vandals affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. I am your host, Dallas Hammer, joined today by brave, bold, Brian Marceau. Dallas, great to be here. We have a ton of Vandal football to talk, man. And last but not least, always producing, always seducing, Martin Heemstra. Vandal football is just around the corner, and I cannot be more excited for it. We buried the lead here, guys. We've, we're using a new graphics package. If you're watching on YouTube, it is called the Bubbles Package. Martin knows how big of a West Ham fan I am. I'm trying to turn all of you folks into West Ham fans. We're always blowing bubbles here. So now we have unveiled our Bubbles graphics. Let us know if you like it, if you hate it, if you don't care for it, whatever. It's time, guys. The moment we have been waiting for, at least I have been waiting for since middle of December. We are talking Idaho football. This entire episode is dedicated to the Idaho football program and previewing the 2023 season. Brian, I'm going to kick it to you. Man, where do you want to go? Last year, this team made the playoffs for the first time since 1995. First time in the postseason since 2016. Future's looking pretty bright, Brian. What do you got for us? Okay, so I want to look at the season from the lens of essentially two things. Look, the media poll picked Idaho to finish second in conference, which is essentially saying finishing right right at the top of the conference or right around, you know, competing for a conference championship. Coaches poll had Idaho finishing fifth, which is, you know, top half of the conference, but certainly not in the discussion for winning the conference. And I think understanding Idaho through the lens of what's the case of Idaho finishing in that two slot or better? compared to Idaho finishing closer to the middle of the pack is probably the best way to understand this team. We don't need to talk about Idaho having a shitty season because they're not going to suck. That like That's just not on the table for a team this talented. But whether Idaho finishes something like last year or better, to me, is how a lot of fans are probably understanding the start of the season. So I want to first talk about the case for or make the case for, hey, Idaho is going to finish around that number two slot this season. And for me, place you have to start for, for our show it can be easy to gloss over this but i gotta i gotta talk about we gotta talk about giovanni mccoy if he's not the best returning quarterback in the league he's the second best returning quarterback in the league we know the dude not only has arm talent mccoy did a great job for essentially all of his retro his retro freshman season avoiding turnovers as the year went on the staff trusted Giovanni McCoy more to win games instead of manage games as it did early on, which we know means this year there isn't that transition period. The McCoy is going to be ready to win games for Idaho week one against Lamar. And Hey, maybe week two, which we'll, we'll get to later against a Nevada team that already looked vulnerable, but we have some other Nevada news to talk about later. And that's, that's just going to be a, Something we know we can have confidence in his fans is Giovanni McCoy is not, he's the dude's not going to be taking a step back in any sort of way. We know the guy's got talent. He delivered last year and now with a year under his belt, additional confidence to experience. To me, that's where the case begins for how Idaho takes Idaho finish towards the top is with one of the best quarterbacks in the league. You know, that's going to help this offense put up about as many points as they need Dallas. Yeah, Brian, honestly, QB play is – I know you can get away with without it. Uh, like Montana State doesn't have a, a natural throwing quarterback. They just 
built that incredible run game and it's carried them to a top three ranking in the FCS. But for most teams, you only go as far as the quarterback is going to take you. And I couldn't be more happy with, with what Idaho is bringing back this year. Giovanni McCoy had an incredible year last year. Jerry Rice award winner. Obviously, even if he has what, you know, the sophomore slump, the sophomore slump compared to the numbers he had last year are still going to be pretty damn good. And we have no reason to believe that that sophomore slump is going to happen mainly because he's going to be throwing to three all big sky talents. He's got Hayden Hatton, who was picked as the preseason MVP this year uh, in the big sky conference. He's also got Jermaine Jackson on the outside. And then he's also got returning this year after missing almost all of last year from injury. Therese trainer is in at number three that leaves. I'm assuming Jordan Dwyer at the number four receiver who also looked very good last year when he was healthy. The pass catchers are the strength of this team. I don't think you could find a better single receiver in the FCS. I don't think you could find a better duo of receivers in the FCS. I don't think you could find a better trio of receivers in the FCS. This team is going to score a ton of points, and I think it comes down to the fact that McCoy and the, these receivers are going to be throwing the ball all over the field. Now, obviously, there's going to be things we're going to talk about as potential weaknesses in this team, but when you look at the quarterback and the skill positions on the offense, Brian, this team is loaded. This team could make a deep run. Yeah, going to hit the comment section real quick. Christy Meyer, Christy Mayer, my my bad, uh, with number four QB sneak. Please, no, actually, I, I hope we don't call that number very much. <laughs> then uh, Patty saying Therese was taking reps with the ones at the scrimmage. Well, hey, that, that's something that Treve hit on his most recent article for Lewiston Tribune is uh, Therese Trainer is just the number three receiver. So Idaho had one, two, and three starting receivers has only guys who've made an all big sky team at one point in their career Therese two two seasons ago uh jermaine jackson hayden hatton both first team last season and i just want to hit us on some stats real quick in case we have some new listeners in case we have some people who are not quite familiar with how last season went hayden hatton in conference play 15 touchdowns uh, and jermaine jackson three touchdowns but those two finished number one hayden hatton number th three jermaine jackson in conference receiving yards and then uh, in conference passing stats, Giovanni McCoy, 20 touchdowns to three picks in the conference season, man. 69% uh, completion percentage, pretty nice. But that's, look, th those position groups, they're not just relative strengths for Idaho. They're relative strengths for the entire damn Big Sky Conference. I, I would not take any other team's receiving room other Idaho. It is not close. I don't care who number two is. I, I, I truly think the gap between number one receiving room and number two receiving room is so big in this conference, it's not worth talking about. And then Giovanni McCoy, like you, you hit it, Dallas, that look, it's, it's very hard to do better than 20 touchdowns and three picks. So like, hey, just keep that in mind, guys. If McCoy is getting more reps, which I expect he will just from the the from Jason Eck being able to choose to be less conservative in terms of pa uh, pass, what he's going to call in the pass game. We might see some intercept, a few more picks, but we're also probably going to see some more touchdowns too. So look, those two, those two areas, pretty damn good. Um, Want to hit running backs too. Now I don't think Idaho has the best running backs in the conference, the way they have the best receivers, but Idaho's pretty, pretty set sound at the running back position. Anthony Woods returns, uh, which, Anthony Woods was easily the best running back on, on the team for Idaho last year. So you, you expect that he's going to have an expanded role just due to look, Oh, Hey, we, I got to hit this. Sorry. Does Eli Cummings we talked about in the last episode is on the roster. He's, he's going to redshirt. So Eli Cummings 
is a guy who took a decent amount of stats last year. Well, he's not not going to be on the table this season. Rashawn Johnson, of course, graduated. So Anthony Woods is the de facto is number one coming back. Rushed for 800, uh, 872 net yards in the conference season. But a, a development that Colton Clark wrote about for the Spokesman Review, which we're going to get Colton Clark back on the show at some point. Nick Romano has kind of recaptured a little bit of his freshman year form when he was starting running this. Now this feels like a thousand years ago due to the COVID season, but Nick Romano at one time was a promising freshman running back for Idaho. That was probably penciled in for a lot of people as potential all big sky. I uh, had a handful of things happen with, with Romano, some injury, and then also just a hey, death progression of talent is not always linear throughout a career. Romano is an example of this. He's worked his way back into the number two running back. He's also going to be kind of the pass catching threat more than Woods. I think that's a pretty big development than, you know, Dallas, you talked last week about, or a couple weeks ago about looking for George Robinson and AU transfers to short yardage running back. I feel that Anthony Woods is probably easily the, the all big sky candidate. He was, you know, preseason all big sky for a reason, but I, I feel I feel okay now. You know, I talked last week about Eli Cummings was kind of Zan- the Xanax for me uh, to know that we weren't going to have to have Anthony Woods rushing 25 times a game, but Nick Romano emerging takes care of that concern. So I feel pretty solid about the group of running backs we have as well. Yeah, for anybody that doesn't remember Nick Romano in 2019, his freshman season, he had 97 carries for 498 yards and two touchdowns. That's an average of over five yards a carry. That's honestly pretty impressive. I know that things have not quite gone as way, the way that he might have wanted. He's only had 60 carries in the three seasons since. But again, if the guy came back, claimed that number two running back spot in his final season, I mean, we've seen he can do it. He's been an all big sky talent. Yes, it was a kick returner and not at running back, but that's a heck of a one two punch. I have no problem with that. Racket hit 69 jumping in. Running back room is good to go. I couldn't agree more, especially, again, if you have George Robinson coming in as the grad student, the number three guy that's going to be the the short yardage, maybe the Andre Carter situation of who's the big guy that's going to get the one yard when it's needed. I'm not expecting to see a Woods-Johnson split like we saw last year. Anthony Woods had 149 carries and Roshan had 106. I'm expecting Anthony Woods is probably going to see the ball a little bit more. Maybe, obviously, Romano's going to get a decent amount, but maybe we see those two getting the carries rather than Eli Cummings had 91. I don't expect to see it being an even spread against the three. Maybe we do see that, but it feels, Brian, again, Anthony Woods was named all-conference running back this year. He might be the best running back in the conference. I don't think the room is elevated above everyone else like the receiver's room is, but Anthony Woods might be the best running back in the conference. You have to give the guy the ball. He's going to produce. He produced a ton last year, 872 yards and three touchdowns realistically brian skill position on the offense there's just there's no concerns here i have absolutely no concerns even if guys get hurt which which happens idaho stayed very healthy last year again i know trust trainer missed the entire season jordan dwyer got hurt but you know the the stars of the idaho offense stayed healthy last year i honestly think if even one of those guys goes down there is so much talent here i'm not that concerned about it this is this is the strength of this team to me is the skill positions on the offense you know, I think it's safe to say, because uh, we're as we're going through the case for Idaho finishing the top of the league, there's just no questions offensively at this point for Idaho. I mean, we'll probably talk. We're going to talk about the O line in both both sections. I, I expect, but we know from last season Idaho's offensive line was worst case 
good enough. And with a little more experience, I, I think that there's no reason to expect Idaho takes a step back on the offensive line. We'll, we'll hit the other side of that discussion later. Uh, but I, I think we look, there's two sides of the ball. Idaho was look, they're fun as hell last season scoring the ball, but this team is pretty, pretty sound defensively as well. Taylor cash, the comments saying, uh, talking about Romano as a kick returner too. Um, it's, it's actually kind of weird that Nick Romano was such a strong kick returner, but then we have Jermaine Jackson who can do that job pretty damn well too, uh, which lets that be kind of, kind of lost in the shuffle. Um, but um, on the defensive side of the ball, I want, I want to talk about the secondary. And I, I think that's a relative strength for Idaho. And I bring up secondary because forever talking Idaho football, including last season, the paradigm was, Hey, we're going to be able to, is Idaho going to be able to stop anyone from throwing? And the answer is yes, uh, Idaho will. Um, Idaho has some pr pretty good amount of talent in secondary, starting with Marcus Harris, one of the best corners in the league. Uh, the guy who you know is not going to be picked on, at least at the corner at the cornerback position. And Idaho led the Big Sky in forced turnovers last season. A ton of that, of course, came came from the secondary picking off passes. Uh, guys like Tommy McCormick uh, scooping up fumbles, returning from for a touchdown against WSU. Which uh, that's other part of the secondary is uh, other than Marcus Harris. We we also have returning talent at the safety. The big one is of course uh, touchdown Tommy McCormick. But I bring up those. I mean that, Dallas, you're gonna hit on other guys too. I bring up the secondary first as a relative strength because it was already strong last year. And the only real attrition, like, Hey, don't, don't mean this as a slam, but the one guy on the secondary last season, Idaho maybe would have wanted to, to have turnover Jeremiah Salam. Well, he graduated. So we're, you know, we have Ormani Arnold, who's going to be the other starting corner who honestly, at times it felt like he probably should have been the other starting corner last season. He's back. Look let me jump in on you there, Brian. Kochak even said that at the end of the season, when he was playing at the end of the year, he even said they should have given Ormani Arnold more chances last year because of how much he showed in those four games. So slotting him in is the opposite corner of Marcus Harris. I mean, Eck has been on that for quite a while. Well, yeah, you dude, you can take it away from here, but my, my point I'm trying to land on Idaho was good in the secondary last season, both safety and at the and mostly at the corners. Uh, we Matthias Bertram is no longer a safety, so hey, that changed. But Matthias Bertram's still starting, so it's not like we lost the guy. But the contributors are all coming back. There were no significant injuries, like no one in the secondary that that we're talking about right now, like blew an ACL, and we're curious about the recovery. They're they played well last season. They're healthy and they're back. Yeah, Brian, the secondary, honestly, I, I think is the strength of this defense, at least on paper right now. Obviously, things are going to change a whole lot when we see some of the guys that we haven't seen before as the defense is replacing five starters. But when you look at what we have in the defensive uh, backfield, there's Mervyn Kenyon. He played very well at safety. Marcus Harris, obviously, named the all-conference team. He's, he might be the best corner in the conference and one of the best corners in the FCS. You have Ar Ormani Arnold, the, the coaching staff had already mentioned, should have been playing him more last year. You have both of the McCormick brothers who are, are solid contributors. Obviously, touchdown Tommy's got the nickname, but Sean has also played very well in his time there. You have Dwayne McDougal coming in from Northern Arizona. He's a guy that the coaches talked about, wishing they had been able to sign him in his recruiting class last year. You have Cam Stevens coming in. There's 
there's a bunch of new names to supplant all of the guys that came back that played pretty well last year. Two years ago, Idaho's secondary was absolutely terrible. And in year one under Rob Orch's new defense, everything completely changed. The secondary became a strength. Virtually all of those guys are back. And like you said, Brian, Matthias Bertram isn't even playing in the secondary anymore. He ended up getting moved down to linebacker. So that's a good sign. The, I mean, the defensive secondary is obviously so st- so stuffed. They're moving a guy to linebacker just to get more bodies out there. So Matthias Bertram will end up as the Sam linebacker. Dylan Lane, actually uh, the bro- brother of Jack Lane, has won the weak side linebacker job. And then in for in- incoming transfer, Trey Thomas is replacing Paul Moala in the middle. So really, Brian, when you're talking away from the lines, Idaho's pretty set there. Obviously, the linebacking core we haven't seen as much of. We didn't see much of Dylan Lane last year. Obviously, Matthias played in the secondary rather than in the front seven. But Trey Thomas is a dude. And honestly, in coverage, Brian, this feels like a team that should be pretty stout in all facets. Yeah, the Idaho picked off 16 passes during 2022 and 11 of those 11 of those interceptions are are returning as regular contributors and turning including Tommy McCormick picked off four passes so yeah it honestly it is it it feels almost disorienting to talk about Idaho's secondary as not just like a relative strength but again good compared to compared to the big sky overall I mean going over team defensive stat team defense stats last year um idaho's pass idaho's passing defense uh finished it depends on what stat you look at um overall passing defense was number three pat uh defensive efficiency you know idaho finished number two so pretty pretty damn good now the i want to talk about the lines a little bit uh taylor cash says he disagrees the comment section taylor let us know and we'll talk about it I want to talk about the front, about the the defensive line. Um, that- Brian, just for for anybody that's wondering about Taylor Cash's disagreement, we do have uh, an Idaho State fan in the comment section saying that Idaho is going to go 0 and 11 this year. Okay, uh, my bad. McLean Westbrook, thanks for sh- jumping on. By the way, McLean Westbrook uh, hosts the new Idaho State podcast. Which, if you're uh, if you're interested in Idaho State football, uh, check out McLean's show. Uh, thanks, ju- uh, Jungle Land. But I want to talk about the defensive line for a second because, um, look, one of the things that Idaho – Idaho was relatively good, again, strong on the defensive line last season, but a, a little bit on the smaller side for the most part. Uh, lost both edge rushers to you know, – one to graduation and one to transfer. And we're, we're probably also going to talk about the defensive line a little bit in the next section, but I get, I want to specifically talk about Jakari Larmond. He transferred in this season, and Jakari Larmond – not only looks like he's got the size that Idaho has been, been lacking on defensive line, 330, 6 to 330 pounds. Uh, so, Hey, that that's a physicality, but just based off what we've seen in the scrimmages, look, Martin, you can jump in here. Talent wise. Yes. Larman looks pretty damn good. He also looks like he has the personality to be kind of, Oh yes. Defense. He, I've been to the three practices so far, like the three scrimmages on Saturday, and oh man, this Jakari is very fun to watch. He is a personality on that defense, and his personality, his actions he does on the sideline during those practices are backed up on the football field. So it's not just a just a flash. He's like Patrick says, he's a funny guy. He plays with the he plays around with the other defensive players. 
and he is stuffing plays again. Granted, it was against he was making these plays against the scout team players, but Jakari was making plays. And for a big guy, he can move too. So it is just it is a sight to see someone that athletic moving that quick. And Larman specifically is to me kind of the shining light of the defensive line, which appears based off our information on paper, it would make sense to be a little concerned about Idaho's defensive line. But uh, some of the info we've gotten is this group actually looks a bit more cohesive. Surprisingly looks a bit more cohesive than last season. Uh, We know for sure. Ben Bertram is the brother of Matthias is going to be starting on the defensive line as well. Martin, just from the scrimmages, anything you've seen jumping out about the defensive line? Because I broadly feel pretty good about it, but there are it's certainly new faces too. I'd say there's some, for me, the defensive line, there was some, might just be some more situational players. Like I think if I, if it was more passing down situation, there was probably be more of the key shot. Like, it, it, there seemed like it'd be more, situational for like defensive line than it would be that I can't remember that was last year but I it, like you said there was a lot more cohesion this year they're a lot quicker getting off the ball when I was at the scrimmages okay, Dallas uh, anything you want to add about defensive line so guys we've talked for years now uh, or at least it feels like years now that Idaho needed to get stronger in the trenches to be a successful team in the big sky and be the bullies that you know we've We've joked at times about the big sky bullies thing, but now that that's starting to look like it's actually happening, this is where that's going to, to, to show. And it does seem like it's kind of weird to think Idaho's defensive line might be a strength this year. Cause it, it has, it just hasn't really been the, the focal point of the team. Obviously Jakari Larmond is a huge dude. Personality is incredible. We're hearing great things about him in practice. We're hearing that Malachi Williams, he played a, a good amount last year hearing that he's going to look really well this year. There's also, like you said, Brian, there's Ben Bertram. Abe Christensen is kind of in both camps, I think, with offensive and defensive line. I don't know how much he's going to play. but He was just an offense the past scrimmage I've been at, so the schedule might, this roster might not be there we go. fully updated. So he might have moved to defensive line and then moved back, but the coaches have at least played him at defensive line, so there's at least some depth. There's Amari Notice and Sam Brown. Both of those guys got a lot of playing time last year. There is a, a good stable of guys here that are going to rotate in and out that, that got a ton of playing time last year and should only be better this year with another year under the new strength and conditioning coach. Okay, so final thing for us to hit on in terms of relative strength is special teams, which, look, we talked about Jermaine Jackson. Well, we actually, I don't think we talk about Jermaine Jackson enough in receivers because we kind of slammed through that group. But Jermaine Jackson is a very good receiver. He'd be number one receiver on any team in the big sky other than Idaho right now. But Jermaine Jackson is uh, returning some kicks. Uh, we know Ricardo Chavez, <clears throat> we'll probably hit on this in both sections, but Ricardo Chavez is kicker for about the first half, uh, first 60-ish percent of last season was as good a kicker as the big sky has. So, look, broadly speaking, and Idaho just overall, you know, if if you look at how last season went, Idaho wasn't losing special, special teams battles. If anything, Idaho looked relatively strong uh, with being able to come up with, with much-needed special teams plays. An example is that onside kick 
you know, against Mo- to start the second half against Montana. Now schedule is slightly different. Idaho is going to have both Weber state and Mon- and Montana state this year, which that's just different math, but I, I want to bring special teams up because I do think that's a strong enough group that we can expect that again, we saw a positive special teams footprint last season. I I have no reason to believe that's going to be different this year. And Brian, I'm not positive of this, but what we had originally heard was that Chavez was going to be focusing on kicking and that Cameron Pope had been brought in to be the punter. I don't know if we know any more about that, but last year, Ricardo Chavez still kicked 60 or 75% of his field goals. I know that he started out much hotter in the beginning of the year. And then at the end of the year, wasn't quite the same success. The kids still went 15 for 20 in his first year with the program. You can't be too upset about that. If they are taking the punt duties away from him, because he, I, I mean, and I don't mean this as a slight, it's considerably better kicker than he was punter. Yeah. If again, he was named all conference kicker. He was not named all conference punter. If they focus him on the kicking, which again, I believe was the initial intent, we might see even Ricardo Chavez be better than he was last year. Like I know that we're talking all optimism right now, Brian, and I'm projecting as if Idaho finishes in that top two, top three of the conference, but there is obviously a ton of talent here and it reasons to stand. There is a chance for every single one of them to have made an improvement again, just like Chavez 75% is great, but maybe we get into the eighties this year. Okay, so we're going to hit the comments section real quick because we have a sec- another case to talk about. For that, we're going to have to hit up one of our sponsors. Martin, I'll let you tell me who, who we're hitting up. So we have uh, Captain58 saying, y'all got me pumped for the season hearing about this defense. Captain58 also saying, I'm a, I'm a believer. Defense wins championships. And look, we look, we didn't hit this, but it's just understood. And we, but we should probably should enunciate this for any new listener. We all feel pretty damn good about Idaho's coaching staff. We are not that we're not really concerned about Idaho getting out schemed in a way that for a ton of time we absolutely were. Uh, Andy, sorry, Rakitic 69. Uh, my dick is getting hard listening to Brian tease us with this preview. That's the point of the show, Rack. So you're welcome. Uh, so you know where to send the copay. Andy Koss saying biggest strength is hashtag, hashtag only tubs, Brian. You missed the tag there. Patreon.com backslash tubs of the club, hashtag only tubs. Andy Koss saying biggest strength is hashtag fishgate coming back to defend the undefeated seasons. Well, we're, we will obviously hit talking about fishgate because that's the focal point of the rest of our episodes. Uh, and then Dane Moon saying agreed, talking about Andy Koss saying Chavez is a stud. So, Martin, we are here to talk about Hughes River. And uh, hashtag producing in public Dallas, you're going to take this or uh, does your voice need me to take this? Okay. Uh, I I was really, really hoping we'd do this. So, hey, Hughes River Expedition. If you are looking for a great all-inclusive week-long vacation, don't look past your backyard. Venture into the largest protected wilderness in the continental U.S. located right here in the great state of Idaho. Enjoy a multi-day trip down the Middle Fork of the Salmon, the main Salmon River of no return, the Salmon River Canyons, or the Selway, and you can even check out special trips like the one to see the Persed Meteor Shower. Camp on pristine beaches, run amazing whitewater, hike scenic trails, spot wildlife, soak in beautiful natural hot springs, take in history along the river, and fish some of the most remote stretches of river in the country. You just bring your clothes, let HRE handle the rest. Hughes River Expedition has been Vandal-owned and operated since 1976 and ready to take you on the vacation of a lifetime. What are you waiting for? Find out what it's like to grab a paddle, catch dinner, and ride the bull all throughout the gem state. Call them now at 800-262-1882 or check them out at HughesRiver.com. Now, Dallas, the other case we're going to make is 
Hey, if if Idaho's season does not put them in, you know, towards the top of the conference, if Idaho finish finishes something closer to, you know, seven and four like last season, or hey, worst case scenario, you know, finishes six and five or something like that. Obviously, there's going to be some some areas of weakness that Idaho isn't able to overcome. So you take the wheel. If Idaho's not going to finish in the top half of the conference, what's going to keep them from getting there? And it, it, it sucks. I hate like calling out a position group, but it's the offensive line. And again, we've talked about this for a very long time. The offensive line is going to take time to build. And I, I think we're still in that spot where it's still building. Now, I'm not disparaging the guys that are there because we are seeing the the youth infusion here. Nate has a party, been with the program a long time. Eli Sanchez has been with the program a long time. Both of those guys slotted in at starters. The other three guys are Aiden Kanapik, Charlie Vleem, and Tigana Sisi, who are all very new guys to the program. Vleem was a walk-on that just got a scholarship this year. So when we talked with Coach Eck in his very first very first interview with Tubbs of the you know of the two that we've done. Uh, the very first one, he talked about his offensive line at South Dakota State and how it took a handful of years to kind of build up what they were looking for. It, it did not end up being filled with a bunch of guys that were four-star prospects. There were walk-ons that ended up becoming guys that started on a team that ended up going and winning the national championship last year. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm not saying it's not going to happen. But you look at a guy like Charlie Vleem stepping in at right tackle, He's 6'8", 285 pounds. Like, over the course of his year, you think you've got him for, you know, four more seasons. There's every chance that he's 6'8", 330 at the end of this, and he is built into the kind of lineman that you're expecting a Jason Eck team to, to do. I mean, has anybody seen Eck walking around the sidelines? Like, you expect to see giant offensive linemen here. That's the one thing we just don't see a lot of with Idaho at the moment. The size on the offensive line is just not there yet. We don't know a lot about the depth because there's just so much youth on this team. Seriously, I'm not going to read through the whole roster, but if you're interested, go look at the roster on Go Vandals and look at how many freshmen are on this team. There are so many offensive linemen that are just young, inexperienced. They haven't had enough time to be in the system building up their bodies the way you do in a college weight room. That's the concern for me, Brian. I don't know how deep the offensive line goes. I think the starting five guys are going to be very good. I think they're going to be, at minimum, good enough. But what happens if we start seeing some of those guys getting injured? Obviously, a guy like Jason Hallbeck that has unfortunately just, his body has not held up with him. Uh, I don't know if he's even actually on the roster anymore. Uh, things just work, don't work out sometimes with linemen. It just is what it is. Sometimes they get hurt. They're the guys that are taking the most amount of impact. That, to me, is the scariest question mark around this team, Brian. I just don't know enough about the offensive line because it is so young. Well, and just, look, we're going to hit the schedule in a second, too, but just as reference point, Dallas, there's Idaho plays four on-paper playoff caliber FCS teams and then two FBS teams this season. That's more than half the schedule. If Idaho's going to make it, if Idaho's going to make the playoffs and if Idaho's going to finish in the top of the conference, they have Idaho will have to take the developmental step of being a team that starts to beat playoff caliber teams. And that was one of the things we saw last season as you know, compare Idaho to UC Davis, compare Idaho to Sac state, compare Idaho to like Montana state right now, the offensive lines are just a little bit different. Um, I, I don't think of Idaho has having like a 
lower half of the big sky offensive line by any means, but there are some teams in the big sky who dominate at the offensive line. And there's no reason to think that is Idaho yet. Um, the other to me position that, that I think that there's reason to be a little bit alarmed is on the defensive side of the ball. And look, that position group is linebackers. And the big issue for Idaho is every single guy playing for Idaho is either new to Idaho, like transfer Trey Thomas in the middle, or what did not start at linebacker last season for any team. Thomas started for South Dakota and was a contributor at a South Dakota had a rough season and an awful schedule, but the Missouri Valley football conference is a very good conference. If you can start and contribute there, you, you know, he's going to be fine stepping in at middle to replace Paul Moala. Um, but there's just no, look, you already, we already referenced Dylan Lane starting, uh, starting on the, the weak side. And we also know that X3 Alexander and Jackson Eck are both in the two deep. That's three freshmen in the two deep. And I, in one hand, I'm actually stoked to have three freshmen that are ready to contribute in some way. If those guys can stay together, that's going to be an incredible group in a couple of years. But I think even if this linebacking core is good, there's going to be a bit of a learning curve and Idaho just doesn't have that much time before they're playing some of the better teams where they have to pick up some wins and Idaho getting exposed may over the middle a little bit that that is kind of my concern. I just don't think people are going to be able to beat up on the Idaho safeties, but there's a lot, a lot of schools. Again, the big sky have pretty damn good linebackers. Look at the Montana schools. Look at Idaho for the last while. I mean, hell, Idaho, the talent Idaho lost at linebackers, incredible. And it's essentially a blank slate compared to last year. So that on the defensive side of the ball, that's really my only concern. It's just that, like I said, six games are against potential playoff caliber FCS teams or FBS schools. So they're just the team. If the team's going to finish the top half of the conference, the O-line and the linebackers are going to have to grow up very fast. And Brian, that's one of those things Eck talked about a lot in the, if you go back and go to Vandal football on Twitter, uh, they do the two questions with a coach segment. Most of the time it's with coach X. Sometimes they sprinkle in some other guys every once in a while. It's a player, but one of the things Eck has talked about in, in some of those interviews is the problems with last year's team when they would give up a big play, it was not because they were beat by the other team. It was because they were in the wrong spots. And that is a big concern for me with the linebacker position, just because it's a bunch of young, young guys and a bunch of guys that haven't been here before. It's much easier to do the right things without thinking about them when you've been in the program two, three years. So I, I would agree with you. I think that's the biggest concern for me at the moment it, on the defensive side, at least is the linebacking core. I think, if you have a question mark in your position groups, I think linebacker is the place you want to have the question mark. So I think it, you know, I know we're talking about, you know, ooh, bad things here, but all things considered, I'd much rather have question marks at linebacker than I would at defensive line or in the secondary, especially if you break it down to corners or safeties. Linebackers is the place that I am most okay with it being a crapshoot, especially because, again, X3 Alexander. Very highly touted recruit. A lot of people were just stunned that he came to Idaho. Jackson Eck is a coach's kid. You know he's going to be in the right spots most of the time. The youth here is going to play a lot. It, it, we're going to see growing pains at times. It just It's going to happen. There's going to be series where Idaho's linebacking core is probably going to get picked apart. It's just going to happen. That tends to happen with, honestly, throughout the course of the game. 
Marcus Harris is the best dude in the, the big sky. He's probably going to get burned a couple times. That's just how playing corner works. Linebackers, I, I do expect we're going to see some growing pains, but hopefully by the end of the year, Brian, we don't see that anymore. Hopefully these guys have grown in. And again, with Trey Thomas in the center, at least there's a guy that is a proven linebacker at this level that is going to be able to at least lead the team, hopefully guide a little bit more in case there is growing pains more than just an acceptable level. Yeah, the last thing I want to hit on, and look, uh, Patty hits this in the comment section too, which is greater concern with the linebackers and pass covers than against the run. Paul Moala was a pretty damn good linebacker against the pass, picked off four passes. Uh, that guy's not there. And look, a couple of Moala's picks were tide changing plays during, against Mon- both against Montana and against Sacramento State. Those are good teams where a guy we lost made huge plays to keep us in. I know it's a new season, but big plays are we're gonna we were able to rely on forced turnovers and big plays from the linebackers last season. And I think it it's very it'd be very hard to project from this point getting the same level of production out of linebacker out of the linebackers, which just means like if I it can come from somewhere else, there's talent on the defensive side of the ball. But that that is the difference between the season. So look, we've hit the basic case, Dallas, of Idaho, Idaho finishing top of the conference, and then Idaho not finishing top of the conference. You ready to run through the games? Let's do it. Producer, seducer, getting the schedule up. Okay. There we, we go. Dallas, week one. I'll let you take the wheel after this game. Uh, week one, Idaho opens with Lamar. Doesn't it feel damn good to pick a game that we – to have an FCS game just like Drake last season that we know. Look, August 31st, Thursday against Lamar. I'm 0% concerned about Idaho losing week one Lamar. I think Idaho is going to beat the shit out of Lamar uh, to start the season. So I do have to to jump in and take a quick tangent here, Brian. You you just told me this game is August 31st, Thursday at 5 p.m. PM on ESPN+. For anybody listening to us live, that is eight days from now. At this exact moment, we will be watching the end of Idaho's first football game of the 2023 season. We are right there. I mean, guys, we are one week away from football. With that said, uh, this is the one bummer about this is that Idaho only has four home games because they gave up the awful Division II Western Oregon home game for this Lamar game to, again, hopefully bank another win for the FCS playoffs and move on and just build that schedule a little bit easier. This is all to say, Lamar went 1-10 last year. This game is going to be ugly. If you're looking for a feel-good Idaho game, this is the game to watch. Idaho's going to go down there and break this team in half. I would expect Idaho to win this by 30 plus. And then Martin. I it's gonna be a, it'll be a cruise. It'll it'll be an easy win for them. I'll I'll go by with what you guys have said. It'll be Idaho by I'll go 35 by five scores. Okay. Week two. That now this is where the OOC gets a little more interesting to me. Um Idaho travels to Reno. Against former Big Sky opponent Nevada. Now that's back to the Saturday schedule. That's that September 9th at Nevada. Recent news out of Nevada, which I, I think really do, may may matter, is it's not a secret. Dallas, you talked about it before. 
Nevada is a Mountain West dumpster fire right now. Just hey, this is reporting from Brett McMurphy uh, today. Nevada announces quarterback coach Nate Costa has resigned. Special teams coordinator Michael Burton also recently left the program. OC tight end coach Derek Sage will coach the quarterbacks. That's we're that's like two weeks two weeks from now, and Nevada has pretty big uh, internal issues, and they already were a flat were a struggling Mountain West team. Dallas, I don't. You and I usually are the ones who throw cold water on enthusiasm or what we think of as unreasonable enthusiasm. At this point, I'm picking Idaho. I uh, honestly, Brian, I don't know how you can't. Um, Nevada went two and 10 last year. Nevada looked really, really, really bad last year. Uh, I know Jay Norvell moved on, uh, obviously over at Colorado state now, which is doing not a great look for Nevada because that's an inner conference change of jobs. That would be like Eck leaving for the Montana job. Like that would not sit well with a whole lot of people. So what they did is went back and hired Ken Wilson. We've talked about this before. <clears throat> Ken Wilson coach at uh, Washington state. He was the linebackers coach under Mike Leach for a long period of time. I didn't think he was that impressive there. I, I know that being a position coach and being a head coach is two completely different things, but it's usually not a great sign when you're not a rock star coach and you're now a head coach at the place that you were an assistant for, for 19 seasons. It feels like the, Oh shit, what are we going to do? We're going to bring back a guy that loves this place. Brian, I I am not scared of Nevada one bit. If if there is an FCS over FBS upset this year, this feels like the one to pick. I think Idaho wins this by multiple scores. Yeah, Nevada won two games last season. Uh, beat Texas State and beat No, actually no. No, they I was about to say they beat Incarnate Word. They lost to Incarnate Word. Good god. They beat New Mexico State and Texas State. That's it. Nevada wins their first two games last season, then drops eight in a row. So uh, producer seducer. Hey, I'm not going to lie. I was going to probably be the negative Nelly one on this one and thinking they might have lost this one just because it's an FBS team. Don't have the resources. But like after I did see the news, I changed it. I, I'll go something like 35-20 Idaho. I don't see a way they lose it unless it's catastrophic. I do want to just jump in for everybody. Obviously, it's a year removed from last year's program, but last year, Nevada lost to number eight, Incarnate Word, 55 to 41 at home. So the the precedent for Ken Wilson's Nevada schools losing to a top, let's say Idaho's in the top 10 at that point, to a top 10 FCS school, that, that legitimately does happen. Idaho currently number eight in the stats poll it's not unrealistic to think Idaho goes in there and does the same thing to Nevada that incarnate word did. So we've all got Idaho at two and O and this is where the game three, Idaho travels to Berkeley to play current big pack 12 member Cal. What looks like future ACC member Cal. Uh, this matchup to me, it's interesting because Cal obviously not a, a strong football team finished four and eight last season. Cal's wins came against UC Davis 34-13. They beat a pretty shitty UNLV team 20 to 14. Beat a shitty Arizona team 49-31. Lost for two solid months and then narrowly beat a terrible Stanford team 27 to 20, which is to say 
last season's Cal's only wins came against a big sky team that didn't a good big sky team, but big sky team that did not make the playoffs and the worst teams they played FBS wise at this point, just because of the whole power five thing, it's, it's very hard to pick an FCS team over uh, even a bad power five team. So I'm going to pick Cal for this game and just assume it's going to be closer, but I'm still going to feel good. I mean, like Idaho looked great in their, in their FBS games last season, Jason Eck knows how to get the team up. So I, I half want to call this 50, 50, but at this far away, I got, I got to pick Cal. Unfortunately, I have to go the opposite direction. I don't think Idaho beats Cal. Uh, as Brian said, they only won four games last year, but one thing that was not mentioned, five of Cal's losses were by a touchdown or less. Uh, that includes on the road at USC. That includes at home UCLA. It includes Washington. It includes Notre Dame. This was a, a team that, yes, they finished poorly. I do not believe in Justin Wilcox. I think he's not a very good coach. I also don't think Cal really cares because football is just not really something they care about most years. I just don't see it, though. I know that there's the Pac-12 falling apart, and maybe two years from now, this would be a completely different discussion. But as it stands now, it's still the Pac-12. I don't think Idaho can pull it off. I do think it's going to be fairly close, but I, I just don't see it. They did beat F UC Davis by 21 last year. I don't know if Idaho loses by 21, but I just can't pick Idaho to win this game. I, I'm i going with an Idaho loss too, but I think it'll be something similar to like the WSU game where we all were just freaking out and then they pull it out late like 24, 17 or something like that. Yeah, Jason Mayer and Rakitic both in the comments section picky, well, inverse picks. Jason picks a Cal 31-28 and Rakitic picks Idaho 31-28 over Cal. So hey, all three of us have Idaho at 2 and 1 at this point. And now the conference season starts off at home, but in <laughs> Talked about this earlier. Look, if Idaho's going to make the playoffs, they're going to have to beat some higher, theoretically higher caliber teams pretty damn fast. Sacramento State comes to the Dome. I hate to say this at this far away because of just what we saw, how Idaho, the line of Idaho was both offensive and defensive lines last season against Sacramento State were not ready. I know the game finished close, but if Troy Taylor could replay that game, he just wouldn't have let Palm Walla pick him off twice in a row. I'm going to, I'm going to go Sacramento state, which I absolutely hate to do. Honestly, in some ways I, I am more concerned about Sacramento state than Cal after Dallas's research last week, but that, that put Idaho at two and two, four games in Dallas Sacramento state opener. I'm going to pick Idaho in this one. Uh, Sac state, obviously we, we talked a lot about it and I think I, I convinced Brian that Sac state is going to be better than, than maybe we were expecting initially. And especially in our way too early rankings right now, it could be totally wrong about that, but Idaho did travel to Sac state last year. Again, very close game. I think Idaho pulls it off this year. And Brian, that's, that's Idaho looking at three and one in the first four weeks. I, I, I'm pretty confident in thinking Idaho picks up wins in three of those four games feeling really good about the start of the season. Jason Mayer jumping in UI 63, Sac State 56. I don't know if Sac State's defense is going to allow 63 points, but I love the energy. I love the enthusiasm, and I hope to see that. I will keep it short. If Idaho's obviously going to make the playoffs this year, they're going to have to win their games at home. And luckily, they're four 
I'd say their four toughest games are all at home. So I think the dome will be rocking. The student section will be making stuff. Will make it be making things rough for the Sac State team. I, I Idaho's going to win it. Okay. Uh, after that, look, Idaho gets on paper a reprieve. Travels to Cheney, which, by the way, I bought my tickets for the Eastern Games. So the Idaho ticket allotment has not yet been sold out for the Eastern game guys. And if you want to feel like you get that fifth home game, guys, if you're in drivable distance, Cheney's not that far away, but for love, God, don't buy your tickets through the Eastern Washington ticket office. It's uh, twice the price because that's what, that's just how Eastern's ticket office works. Unbelievably expensive when they're not selling games out, but Idaho, look, I, at this point, I don't know how to not pick Idaho over Eastern. Uh, Talent-wise, just with what we the decimation we saw last season, though, and the college rosters turn over pretty quick. We know that Eastern's going to at least should be stronger offensively, but I'm I'm confident saying, hey, first ro- first road F's Big Sky game, Idaho's going to go to Cheney pick up a win. Unfortunately, I will not be attending this game. I'm the one who lives closest to Cheney, and I unfortunately won't be there. My favorite band is playing a show in Portland that night, uh, playing my front favorite album of all time, front to back. So I unfortunately picked that over the Idaho Eastern game. Cheney scares me. I don't like Cheney. I've spent a ton of time in Cheney when I was in TV. I've I've been on the sidelines filming Bo Baldwin games for years and years. I always get a little nervous about Cheney, but I just don't see it, Brian. Even if Vesperis ends up being their next award-winning quarterback. I just don't think Eastern has what it takes to hang with Idaho this year. I think this is going to be maybe not a blowout. I see Racket Hits has Idaho 56, Eastern 14. Jason Mayer, 1,221 to negative six. Dane Moon, excuse me, that was Sac State. Dane Moon said UI by seven in the Sac State game. Tom Kendall picking Idaho by 20. I think that that 44-24 score that Tom Kendall picked is probably going to be pretty close. Eastern might hang with it, with Idaho for a quarter, but I think over the course of four, this game's not going to be that close. So Patty in the comments section saying he thinks the game will be close. Um, I'm fi- I-, I think it'll probably be close, but I again I already made my pick. Martin closes out. Uh Tom Kendall, I want to say one thing, get out of my head. I was gonna go with something that score very similar. I was gonna say something like 45 25. I it, I think it'll be close going in like the third quarter, maybe midway through the third quarter. I know starts pulling away just with their all with all the running backs they have. It'll it'll Idaho win. I think the next game we talk about is going to be pretty quick. Uh, Idaho c- travels to San Luis Obispo October 7th for Cal Poly. Uh, no reason to pick anything but a blowout to me, Idaho, at this point. Yeah, I, I agree. We talked about Cal-, Cal Poly, and we think that they might be better this year, but not better enough to to warrant anything more than saying Idaho steamrolls Cal Poly. I'll go Idaho by six tutties. Okay, here we go. Which ha- takes us to homecoming October fourteenth against Montana, and look, th- this to me on ESPN too. By the way, on ESPN, thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, all the other games are on ESPN plus a good amount carried by SWX. This game on terrestrial ESPN two, which is a big deal for both Idaho and Montana. Man, this might be the most important home game for Idaho. Uh, one for the obvious, it's going to be homecoming, so the crowd should be pretty dang good and putting on a. Sh- putting on a show when people show up is a big deal. But I, um, I think the strengths of Idaho match up with the weaknesses of Montana and I'm going to pick Idaho in this game. Same. I, I should have picked it last year. I didn't Eck dunked on me for it. 
as was absolutely deserved. I don't think Idaho lets a little bit little Brownstein go this year. It just feels to me like Montana, yes, they should be very good. They should not be in Idaho's atmosphere. If Idaho can stay healthy, the, you know, we're talking the midway point of the season here. If Idaho is mostly healthy, I think Idaho pulls this off by a a closer score than the game actually is. I feel like this is a Grizz score touchdown late to make it a little closer than it really felt, and Idaho kind of dominates most of the game. I've been doing this show now for what four or five years now. I'm not picking against. I'm not picking Montana. What are you guys crazy? <laughs> Idaho wins. Okay. So that takes very, us in very quickly in the comment section. Racket hits Idaho 35, Montana 20. Jason Mayer, Idaho 42, 38. Just wanted to get a couple kill, couple guys called out in there. That's how J- Jason Mayer's score reflects more or less what I what I think. So that takes us into a bye week where Idaho. I, and I think it's probably good news for Idaho to have a bye week after the Montana game because the next game, another home game, is hosting Montana State. And to me, this is the inverse of the Montana matchup where Montana, like I said, was Idaho strength on Montana weakness. This is Montana State on potential Idaho relative weakness. It, and really, just Montana State, they're good. Their lines are elite in the FCS world. I, I'm picking Montana State. I mean, guys, we talked about it last week. If you missed last week's show, go take it, take a peek at it. But spoiler alert, if any team from the big sky or any team that's not one of the Dakota State schools is going to win the FCS title, it's going to be Montana State. I, I have a bad feeling that the Montana State game is where we're going to see the gap from where Idaho is and where Idaho wants to be. The lines there, I think, are going to push Idaho around. I, I just, it, it might be close. But it's it's going to feel kind of demoralizing. This I think is the first conference loss of the season for Idaho. I, 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 I can't do it, Mont. Idaho wins. Now I'm doing a quick quick pause. So at this point, Dallas has Idaho at six and two. I've got Idaho at five and three. Martin at seven and one. And the fine, no matter which route right now you're talking about, whether Idaho's five or five and three or seven and one. Idaho is in the driver's seat. If, if the season goes like this, Idaho's in the driver's seat to make the playoffs, at the very least, to make the playoffs. November 4th, Idaho travels to Northern Colorado, which, look, it's not the same dumpster fire as with Ed McCaffrey, but I think it's I think the talent is way is just too strong in Idaho's favor. And just because Ed McCaffrey is replaced by Ed Lamb, who's pretty good. Look, Idaho still has among the best coaching in the big sky anyway. So uh, at Northern Colorado feels like a pretty reliable win, even though it's on the road. And look, this is just the inverse, what Martin brought up of Idaho plays mostly the better big sky teams at home. That means Idaho also gets mostly not very good big sky teams on the road. So I expect Idaho's road record is going to look pretty damn strong, but definitely picking Idaho over Northern Colorado. In the comment section, Tom Candle picking Idaho 48-21. Rakitic picking Idaho over UNC 42-6. I think it's going to be in that same range. I think Ed Lamb is the guy to turn Montana State, turn Northern Colorado into a respectable program. I don't know if that's going to happen in year one. I think they'll look better than they did, but certainly not at a point where last year, Northern Colorado, there were some touch-and-go moments where it was a little nervous. Maybe Idaho should have came out a little hotter than they did. I don't think that's the case this year. I think Idaho goes down to the formerly long grass of Greeley, Colorado and kicks Mont- uh, kicks Northern Colorado's teeth in. Uh, 
I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with another win as well. I, the it'll be. I don't think it'll be close, close, but it'll be. I feel like Idaho just doesn't. It won't. It won't. It won't be a blow, but it won't be close. It'll be a casual like 18 point win. Sorry, just laughing my ass off at Captain uh, 58. No tall grass at Grange and Greeley, in Greeley, Idaho by 20. Look, this the following week, and th- dude, this is another game that I have circled. I- Idaho honestly does have probably six games this season, counting the FBS games. Of look on paper, you can circle them as if Idaho is if Idaho's good. These are the kind of teams they have to beat. Weber State late in the season. I am going to go Idaho here. Weber State, they have a lot in common with Montana State, but they don't dominate on the offensive line the way Montana State does, which is my bigger concern. I know Idaho is going to score points against teams. Montana State can just put you on your heels because they score and defend. Weber State, way too early to, in my mind to say that there's a radical change in either direction, offensively or defensively. So at this point, uh, I'm going to put Idaho pit, putting up a win in a pretty pretty tough game, but this is this is to me a, one of the games where Idaho gets can prove late in the season if they're turning that corner where they're starting to be playoff caliber teams. You know, Weber State's going to be playoff caliber talent wise, so a win on the road would be a pretty big deal, especially this late. In the comment section, uh, Rakitic and Dane Moon both picking Idaho by a touchdown here. Tom Kendall agreeing with Taylor Cash that this is a trap game. I absolutely agree. This is the most trap game of trap games on the Idaho schedule. It's not really a trap when Weber should be pretty good, but this is the, the kind of game that you you look at on paper and think, okay, Weber's offense usually isn't exceptional or even really decent. Uh, they're just kind of hit and miss a lot. Feels like that against Idaho's defense. Idaho's defense should shut them down very well. Idaho's offense should be a little too much for Weber's defense. On paper, you'd think, yeah, Idaho should probably steamroll Weber State if it was on a neutral field or in the Kibbe Dome. But you're going down to Ogden. There could be snow. It's one week before senior day and the hated bungles coming to town. And realistically, at this point, all of our records we're talking about, Idaho is already in either 95% of the way to the playoffs or they've already won enough games to get into the playoffs. This is the one I think Idaho wins this by three points. I think this is a very close game. This is the one that's going to be the ugly scrap it out. Really hope you have your bad week before you get into the playoffs. I feel like that's this week. I think Idaho wins, but I think it's going to be very close. Yeah, I, I'm i like, I, I'm going I'm to go with, with you guys. Idaho's going to win. It'll be a close game. I, I got already excited for this sort of game. I already bought travel and stuff to go to that game. So I'm hoping Idaho can pull it out against the fighting Nick Webbers. And the final week of the season, like it, viewers may have saw when Dallas called Weber state a trap game, because typically trap games, you're looking past the team. Idaho closes the year with Idaho state. If Idaho state is anything other than a dumpster fire, it is a, it will be considered a home run first year for Cody Hawkins. We know it's the King Spud game. Yes, that absolutely matters. But I, I just don't. The only way this game is even competitive is if Idaho no shows or is ter- throws a ton of has a ton of turnovers or there's colossal injury issues. Idaho at this point obviously picking them to close out the season with a win. 
in Moscow. Part of me wishes it was half wishes it was in the hoarder corners of Holt Arena just so we could see it on TV again. But no, dude, Idaho, Idaho easily is going to close the, the season with a win. And for a team like for what the Vandals are now, where look, every win matters and getting into the playoffs. Hey, closing the win with closing the season with an insurance game every single season now against Idaho State. I'll take it. Yeah, this um, McLean Westbrook in the comments. Um, also, we completely disavow McLean's podcast from here on. Uh, says Idaho State wins and the P1 FCU KB Dome gets torn down. I think that is the least likely thing of all things in the world, McLean. I unfortunately, I love your homerism, man. Oh boy, this game is going to be ugly. If if Idaho State is competitive in this beyond halftime, this will be a disappointment for Idaho. I I can't pick against Idaho. They're going to win by 50 in this game probably. So that to close that out, Dallas picks Idaho 9 and 2, I go 8 and 3, Martin goes 10 and 1. And based off that breakdown, both Martin and Dallas are projecting Idaho's going Idaho's going to finish right around number two or hey seven and one Dallas. That's what you have in league play seven and one. Seven and one would be right in contention for the a share of the league championship. So hey, that that's the ceiling. Uh, I've got Idaho at eight and three. That would and that'd be six and two in conference. Uh, that clearly. The only way that would be tied for a conference title is if it's absolute chaos at the top in the big sky, which is on the table, but because of unbalanced scheduling, it typically is unlikely. Before we get to team MVPs, we have to get a word from our other sponsor, Martin. Snake River Stampede Canadian Whiskey. And look, I've said this. I, I am so stoked about Snake River having the sponsoring the show because I don't even have to read our ad read. I can just talk about drinking their whiskey, which I do. I buy it by the handle exclusively. Uh, it's got a, a finishing process which starts in ex bourbon barrels, which adds you know some of those spice notes, some of the brown sugar notes, and then Snake River is finished in Oloroso sherry casks. And look, you gotta bring, yeah. The reason I bring this up for Canadian whiskeys in particular is Canadian whiskeys are corn forward Canadian whiskeys, which is what is mostly available in Idaho State liquor stores. You're gonna notice the finishing process on those more so than in other whiskeys, and the bourbon notes. And the sherry notes, they absolutely come through. In total, the whiskey's aged eight years. It's got got ch- some nice cherry notes to go with the wood. I I think of the finish on the on Snake River as being kind of candied, but it's it's a kick-ass whiskey. If you have not tried this for your tailgating, it's incredibly affordable. It's about $25 for a fifth. Again, I don't buy a fifth, I buy handles. Give it a try this year, Snake River Stampede. Dallas. Offensive MVPs. In the interest of not taking all of the names you guys could pick from, because I feel like I could probably pick about seven guys here. I'm going to go with Mr. Obvious Hayden Hatton. There's a reason that the guy was picked as the MVP of the Big Sky Conference in the preseason. There's a reason he was just named as a potential senior bowl guy. Again, Reese's senior bowl, pretty big stuff for an FCS player to get named to that. Obviously you got to get through the season, but being on the preseason watch list for the senior bowl means that people are expecting him to have a huge year. Brian, I just don't see how it, it can be anybody other than, than Hayden Hatton to me. I, I I'm expecting you guys to pick other people and tell me how I'm wrong, but 
when you look at the numbers he put up last year, 83 catches, 1,200 yards, 16 touchdowns, I can't pick against that. That I mean, that's if he if he has the exact same season he had last year, he's probably the MVP. Martin. I in the uniqueness of being different, I'm gonna go with uh, Anthony Woods. I think he's gonna have a bribe batshit crazy stats earlier. I had to kind of talk myself off of him having like a 20 touchdown season. I'll go more modest, something like 15, 16, but I still think he's gonna have I think he's going to be a he's going to have a huge year for Idaho. To me, Dallas, the way that Hayden Hatton and his 16 touchdowns on you know on last season is not the MVP is there's there's just other big sky talent wide receivers for Giovanni McCoy to throw to, which why I'm going to go with Giovanni McCoy if he has if he gets just more reps and produces like he did last season. We're by default talking all big sky for sure. And if Eck is, if Eck actually trusts Giovanni McCoy more, which is where the talent is. And I bring that up just because we've said this a thousand times. Eck has been open about this. He, he has play calling respond to the talent and what is most effective for his team. I completely can see a world where we actually, we get to see McCoy throw a bit more than we did last season. And it, the dude's got the talent. He has the best weapons in the entire league. I'm going to go Giovanni McCoy. And that, that to me is the way that Hayden Hatton may not be offensive MVP for Idaho defensive MVP Dallas. Dude, this is a, this is a tough one because obviously when you look at the all conference preseason team, there's one guy on Idaho's defense that was named as a big sky uh, as an all big sky player this year. It's Marcus Harris. That is not where I'm going to go. I'm going to go with a wild card pick here. I think it's going to be Trey Thomas. I think, again, the linebacking core, we talked about it. It's There's going to be some mistakes made there. They're freshman guys that have never played college football before, or in you know, Dylan Lane's case, played a little bit. There's there's enough depth there that we're going to see mistakes, but I think, I think Trey Thomas was brought in for a reason. I think he's going to step up and fill that Paul Moala role just as well as Paul Moala did. I think his numbers are going to pop just like Favai Favai's did, just like Paul Moala's did, just like all of the linebackers that were here before, going back to Trey Walker, going to the Ellis's. I feel like Trey Thomas is another step in the the Vandal history of linebackers in recent years. I think he's the guy. I, I'm i going to go with uh, Jakari Wamond. I, in the... Just in the practice that I've been to, that dude has made me believe he can be, he's going to be the team MVP, this defensive team MVP this year. He was making plays, and I feel like he will be the difference between Idaho. He will be probably be a huge key as to why Idaho wins the game, wins a game like a Montana State this year. I'm going to go with Marcus Harris, the guy who made the all big sky preseason all big sky team. And now the risk in my pick is that the big sky is going to know to just not throw to Marcus Harris aside and for him to get an MVP type of award. It's going to be a lot of coaches just voting off, acknowledging how good the dude is, but 12 pass breakups last season for Marcus Harris, two picks, a fumble recovery and a forced fumble. He's just good. He's like Taylor cash said it uh, in the comment section, Marcus Harris up for buck Buchanan at end of the year. I think he's that kind of talent. 
And I, he just has to get the chance to produce because it's going to be, you know, you reference linebacker Trey Thomas Dallas, just in terms of awards, linebackers get a ton of tackles. So like, you know, the stats pop out. And if the corner is not getting thrown to, you don't have the stats to pop out. But I, I believe in the dudes in, in, in Marcus Harris as just an incredible, incredible corner, man. We, we recorded so many damn years of this show of, Idaho not being able to defend the pass whatsoever. Hey, Tom Kendall comment section. In my humble opinion, Marcus Harris has the best position in coach too. Yep. Stanley Franks. Love that dude. Lo- love the entire coaching staff, but uh, it's just, honestly, Hey, pivoting away from the MVP talk. Cause Hey, we, we all said it. There's a ton of strength on this team. There's no reason to not be excited for this team. If you, if you can buy season tickets, do it. If you can only make it to a game, tickets are reasonably priced, especially if you do the Costco buy, which is the Costco package for two tickets is like 62 bucks or something like that. So, And you can cash that out for any home game you want. Support the Vandals, dude. This is a kick-ass season. This is the stuff we have all been waiting for forever. We've got talent on the team. We've got talent on the sideline. Get in there and support your Vandals. And if you can support Tubbs the Club, hashtag only Tubbs, uh, Tubbs the Club at patreon.com backslash Tubbs the Club. This week, we sent out shirts from Walk On Sports that our top level patrons selected for us. We, I rest send, send, send on all those. So, hey, you want to be a top patron? It's just, just under 20 bucks a month. You'll get, you'll get a walk on shirt on us after you do that for a couple months, but you can support any level dude, which you guys do lets us, lets us run the show in a more fun way. Every, every subscriber counts. The discord is going to be exploding right, right when we get to Thursday of next week, Dallas, it's just the best time of the year, dude. Fall in America, Vandal football, dude, there's nothing better. Guys, this is the best time of the year and not to keep trying to plug our Patreon, but, this is the best time of the year to be part of the Patreon. We have a game next week. So next week, we're going to be doing our Lamar preview. We'll be doing a Lamar reaction show. And then during the game where, again, can't imagine there's a whole lot of Vandal fans flying out to Texas to go watch Idaho beat the absolute piss out of this team. If you want to hang out and chat with other Vandal fans doing a game day thread, our game day thread is the best place to hang out for Vandal football. Join up patreon.com backslash tubs at the club hashtag only tubs. And with that, dude, that's a week. So uh, when you guys see us next week on Tuesday or maybe Monday, if we can swing it just for the extra day, we're going to be previewing a Thursday Vandal football game, guys. It's here. The uh, And the momentum of our, of our episodes is going to pick up right after the Lamar game too, where we have, post game sometimes right after the game sometimes the next day just depends on what we can swing and then i do the big sky power rankings episodes on sunday so effective hey effective next week tubs of the club is the center of the big sky podcast world uh, we, we've lost a couple of big sky podcast network shows for this year no eagle power hour no weber state weekly montana mint is probably not recording so truly us three we are the center of the big sky podcast world Thank you for your support. We couldn't do it without you guys. Until next week, go Vandals. Go Vandals. Go Vandals? This is producer Brian doing a terrible job of <coughs> even finding what we're going to play us out with. So I'm just going...
we're just going to call it good. See you guys Tuesday. <laughs>